Head to netsuite.com slash briefing now for their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the CNN political briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Friday, January 6th. It just reminds me of what my father always told me. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And now we have to finish for the American public. What a week it has been. But Republican House leader Kevin McCarthy says he will have the votes to become Speaker of the House by the end of the day. Kevin McCarthy had his best day in a very long time today because after days of being unable to demonstrate any movement towards him, any movement of additional support for his bid for Speaker of the House, he finally was able to do just that today. Over the course of two votes on the House floor, Kevin McCarthy flipped 15 votes that had either been cast for somebody else or abstained from voting to his column. And that was an enormous amount of momentum, obviously, that McCarthy was desperate for. At the end of this long week, here we are on day four of votes. No Congress exists right now. They're all members-elect. So the question is, well, how did he do it? Here's Republican Congressman Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, who did indeed flip from a McCarthy opponent to a McCarthy supporter, explaining why. I think I can speak for generally all of us. It is the framework of an agreement in good faith that allows us to keep moving forward so that this place works for the American people. Now, while Kevin McCarthy did make a lot of progress. Flipping 15 is not sufficient to become Speaker of the House. He needs probably two of six holdouts that remain opposed to him in order to secure the speakership. Obviously, it all depends on how many people are actually voting for Speaker on the House floor to know exactly the threshold he needs to hit. But let's assume all 434 members-elect are voting on the House floor, he would need to get to that threshold of 218. And Chip Roy, a Republican from Texas, was also a McCarthy opponent and one who flipped and became a supporter. Now, remember, he said he could bring along 10 people with him if he could get McCarthy to concede on some of the demands they were making for rules changes and the like. Well, more than 10 flipped. So Chip Roy was right. He did have a block of McCarthy opponents that could move together if their needs were addressed. But he is also aware that they didn't get all the way there. We're still having conversations and we're still talking to our friends that disagree, but that at the end of the day, they are patriots who are standing up trying to defend their country. They are people that I love and respect. So who are the six holdouts refusing to support McCarthy thus far? Andy Biggs, Lauren Boebert, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Bob Good, and Matt Rosendale. Now, a source familiar with the McCarthy efforts say to focus your attention on Crane and Rosendale. Crane is a freshman. He's an incoming freshman from Arizona. Rosendale is a congressman from Montana. Those are the two folks who the McCarthy people believe are their top targets that they perhaps have the most convincing argument to make to them to switch their votes. We'll see later tonight how that shakes out. The House is in adjournment right now until 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. That's when the House will reconvene and 
begin the 14th ballot for Speaker of the House. So why Crane and Rosendale? Well, Crane just got a whole heck of a lot of support from McCarthy in his effort to become a congressman. He flipped a district that was held by a Democrat in Arizona with a lot of financial support from McCarthy and from the NRCC, the House campaign arm that, of course, McCarthy sort of oversees, if you will, as the leader of the party. As for Rosendale, it's interesting. Rosendale and Ryan Zinke, the other congressman-elect from Montana, now that Montana has two districts, not just one, these two Republicans are sort of eyeing each other because a top-tier Senate race in 2024 is going to be in the state of Montana. It's going to be one of the Republicans' best pickup opportunities because it's a deep red state and the seat is currently held by Democrat John Tester. And so they may be in a primary against each other and McCarthy may be using this moment to get Rosendale to back off his opposition, perhaps in a way to signal some future help in a potential Senate primary. Of course, Rosendale believes his opposition to McCarthy may help him in the context of a Republican primary, but that is not clear in terms of how the voters out in Montana feel. But as I said, there are four dedicated, at least, never Kevins. They say they will never vote for him. And of course, Kevin McCarthy can only afford to lose four since the Republicans have 222 seats in this Congress. Listen to Matt Gates on the House floor as he gave his nomination speech, this time for Jim Jordan again, in the 12th ballot round, explain why he remains where he is in opposition to McCarthy. You only earn the position of Speaker of the House if you can get the votes. Mr. McCarthy doesn't have the votes today. He will not have the votes tomorrow, and he will not have the votes next week, next month, next year. And so one must wonder, Madam Clerk, is this an exercise in vanity for someone who has done the math, taken the counts, and is putting this institution through something that absolutely is avoidable? But even Matt Gates has acknowledged that McCarthy may indeed be victorious tonight when the House reconvenes. Matt Gates understands that McCarthy may indeed be able to pick off two of the current opponents. So even he sees the writing on the wall, perhaps in the same way that McCarthy does. That's why McCarthy is so bullish about predicting he will have been elected Speaker of the House before today is over. But Gates says, if indeed McCarthy becomes Speaker, he'll now have to govern in a, quote, straitjacket, that that's what this whole effort did, is sort of curtailed McCarthy's ability to lead as he wants now that he's given all these concessions uh, to get there. And this is going to be the fundamental question. Exactly what did McCarthy promise to flip all of those members to his side? And can the Republican conference come to heel in a way to work as a disciplined governing majority of 222? Because more often than not, they're going to need every Republican to vote the same way with that very, very narrow majority that they have. This was part of Pelosi's success with the Democrats in the last Congress, discipline among uh, the entire caucus. Well, Warren Davidson, Republican of Ohio, uh, has concerns about that healing process being complete after all of this. Here he was earlier today on Fox News. How do we work together after this? And as I, as I was saying, emotions have run high. People said some very disparaging things about one another. Uh, And just like any of these things, at some level, 
Uh, arguments become personal. They tend to escalate over time. Can there be some healing across the conference? Kevin McCarthy, should he actually get the speakership tonight, deserves a lot of credit for grinding this out. However, it's hard to say that this was really a victorious moment for McCarthy. Yes, he achieved the singular goal that he had always wanted, which was getting the speaker's gavel. But at what cost and with what kind of ability to govern going forward? Two critical questions. And of course, it was lost on no one that this battle on the House floor, this political battle on the House floor for the speakership was playing out today and coming to perhaps dramatic conclusion on the two-year anniversary of the insurrection. And at the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue today, it was President Biden who was commemorating and marking that two-year anniversary by highlighting sort of the heroes of democracy, the law enforcement officers and the political leaders who, irrespective of party, stepped up and refused to allow the former president and his allies in election denialism to grab hold of their quest to overturn the 2020 election results, the legitimate and fair election. And President Biden used the two-year anniversary today to praise those saviors of democracy at the White House. You held the line that day, and what was on the line was our democracy. And history will remember your names. They'll remember your courage. They'll remember your bravery. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to stay tuned for CNN for the very latest on all that we talked about today. And if you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. CNN Political Briefing is a product of CNN Audio. Abby Swanson is our executive producer. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer. Fez Jamil is our senior producer. Our episodes are produced by Krista Bowe and Taylor Galgano. We'll be back Monday. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com briefing. netsuite.com briefing.